and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Trimble, and this is the Executive Pill Podcast. As you know, this show, along with all of our speaking, coaching, and consulting services, are laser-focused on helping organizations prepare high-performing leaders from all backgrounds to successfully transition to and excel in VP and senior VP-level executive-level positions. And if you and your organization are serious about developing diverse and highly effective executive leadership teams, then uh, you're in the right place. And two, we encourage you to reach out and visit us at gpsleadership.org or reach out to us at team at gpsleadership.org so we can discuss how we can help you and we can work together to help you and your organization reach its leadership development and culture elevation goals. The Executive Pill is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world. I know it's been such a short time, but such an awesome ride. And this didn't happen by accident. It was you who made this happen. It will be you who determines the continued success of this show. So please, if you enjoy this content, if you take anything from what our guests share and you just want to engulf it in your life because it brings you and makes you a better person, then do us a favor and please click that like button. Click the subscribe. Click the share. Be sure to ask questions and share your thoughts in the comment section. Each of these things that may sound small and little to you is a huge deal because the more engagement, the more we're able to share these stories and these advice. Finally, I'm so excited to share that my new book, Relationships That Work, Four Simple Steps to Building Intentional Connections in Business and in Life, is now available for purchase on Amazon.com. Look, if you're an ambitious leader who aspires to rise to the most senior level executive level positions, look, this book will provide you with a step-by-step process to making your career dreams a reality. Seriously, if you're tired and frustrated because you've done everything you possibly can to gain the influence to position yourself in your next position, but it just hasn't happened yet, you really need to read this book. Click on the link in the description below, purchase your copy of Relationships That Work so that you can learn how to build the powerful networks needed to reach your personal professional goals. Now, with no further ado, let me say, <laughs> today is a good day. See, today we have the awesome, the wonderful, the always cool, the very athletic, Dennis <laughs> DiMaggio. <laughs> Dennis currently serves as Vice President and Chief Learning Officer at Breakthrough Beverage Group, which is a huge player in the beverage alcohol industry, and entered the organization development field in 2002 after serving as the Vice President for Learning and Development at um, oh, yeah, yeah. Chamber Sunbelt Group. Yeah, ever heard, heard, heard of that one? And serving in numerous senior level leadership positions throughout the, ooh, I'm just so excited and just sitting here talking to him, throughout healthcare industry. Um, Dennis is a frequent speaker at the SHRM Society for Human Resource Management, a panelist on sales coaching by, um, by the corporate executive board, and has been interviewed on subjects connected to organizational learning and empathy in the workplace by TD, that's, you know, TD, again, if you are in this, this space, you know this magazine, TD Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. I know you know that one. Dennis is a phenomenal individual, and you're going to have so much fun today. How are you doing, kind sir? 
I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I uh, really appreciate your time and, and, and the invitation to your show. Can't wait to get this conversation going. Well, you know, if you can't wait, then we might as well just jump in this like double dutch. Uh, <laughs> you have, you have, you have reached the level within your career that a very small percentage of people get to reach. And, and I say that because, you know, I'll be honest, like, as you move up within an organization, we all know that there is fewer and fewer executive leadership positions, period. And so you, ha- you were able to navigate yourself there. But I just begin with asking, like, what is the best bit of advice that you've ever received? And who shared that with you? And why was it the best bit of advice? That's uh, a great question. Um, you know, I, I would probably have a hard time distilling down to one sentence or one piece of advice. Uh, in, over the course of my career, I've been very, very fortunate that I have al- always reported to fantastic managers. And the, um, the amount that I've learned from the people that I've reported to over the years really is what has is what kind of formed my own viewpoint of, of leadership and what it takes to to move ahead and serve in an organization. And so I've I've been fortunate my career has kind of zigzagged a little bit. You know, I, I came out of college thinking I was going to be a high school teacher, wound up working in healthcare management for about 10 years, everything from facilities management to home health care. Uh, and then when it moved over into the OD world and as you mentioned now I'm in the, the beverage alcohol space. And so my career has been one where so often walked into a place where I didn't under I didn't understand the business. I was either surrounded by people like clinicians when I worked in healthcare, or when I changed from healthcare into the beverage alcohol space. There's there's almost no overlap in those two yeah, businesses. Yeah. And so the idea of just kind of keep learning, never assume you have the answer, and you know, surrounding surrounding yourself with brilliant people is it, to me that's that's the key to moving ahead. See. You and I, we, we, we are in alignment on so many things, but I have to say, we go in different directions right here because you just said, put yourself around phenomenal people, but don't, aren't those people competition? Shouldn't we like make sure that we are the best in our, in our, in our, in our circle? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I, w- I wish I could say this was my expression. It's not, I'm stealing it from somebody, but if you're the, if you're the best in a circle, you need to find a different circle. You know, you really have got to surround yourself with, with, with other people. Um, and it's, it's funny because when we talk about leadership, I will tell you that, and you probably experience this as well, when, I, when you see a leader who wants to always be the smartest person in the room, wants to make sure that there's nobody around them that can compete with them, mm-hmm. that person is headed for derailment. Because you know, if, if, if nobody else is bringing something that you don't already have, yeah. it, then you're not going to go anywhere because you, you've already got what you have. Uh, and that sometimes there's a level of insecurity that goes there where, where people just want to be the smartest person in the room all the time. You know, it's interesting. I actually talk about that briefly in, in my book, Relationships at Work, is there, uh, there are people who are quote unquote successful and there are people who, are, who don't reach their goals. Let's just say that. But then of those people who reach their quote unquote success goals, there are people who... Um, who reach those goals and just like flourish there. And mm-hmm. then there are people who reach their goals and then tumble and never come back. And it sounds like that is one of those qualities that you're talking about right now is if you reach those levels, if you're a leader and you say, oh my God, okay, I finally made it. Let me make sure I, I clinch this. I won't, I'll never let go of this by making sure that no one around me can compete against me. Um, that's probably not the best way to remain successful. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it is a, 
it's it's just it's a common thing that most people who are in any way involved in leadership development understand is that when when an individual moves from that individual contributor role into a management role, again, almost every company has this problem that we we tend to promote the best individual contributor into a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And while it's perfectly it's it's perfectly uh, uh, possible that somebody has the individual development, an individual uh, contributor skills and the leadership skills, those two things don't overlap. They're not the same thing. Mm. So in all likelihood, you have somebody who has spent a career becoming a a good individual contributor, and now they need a a whole new set of skills. But I would contend that happens everywhere along the line. So if you're a frontline leader, and then you're becoming a point where you are then a a leader of leaders, Mm -hmm. a little bit more similar than individual contributors. Yeah, yeah. Still, from frontline leader to leader of leaders, different skills, different skills. And so if you keep if you keep applying the skills that you learned at every level to the next one without being open to learning something new, that's when you see the, the derailment that you talked about. Somebody gets there and they just can't quite make it happen. You know, you, you remind me a bit of uh, uh, Marshall Goldsmith. I know you're a follower of, her, a follower of him as well. You know, he, he always talks about, I love how you did this. He talked about you know, transitioning from feedback, which is generally negative focus, like you, you did this wrong in the past to identifying what do you want to be in the future? Where do you want to grow? How do you want? And again, how now would we change your behavior? What skills should you learn to get to that next level, which you would be call, calling uh, feed forward? And so it sounds like, again, just because, <laughs> to use his phrase, what got you here won't get you there, right? So <laughs> you had a particular set of skills and qualities and experiences that did allow you to get to a certain level, but now you're at a new level and you need yeah. to be around phenomenal people who can teach you those new skills to, to flourish in that, in that arena. Yeah, you know, I, you're absolutely right. And uh, you stole my line because I was going to use the title, the title of the book. Uh, and it's, it's a classic book. I, I re- recommend anybody who is either looking to climb the ladder or coaching other people who are climbing mm-hmm. the, that ladder that they get that book. It is, it's a classic. A lot of the rules that he puts in place, Marshall Goldsmith, uh, about what got you here won't get you there. And he talks about it. when you get to a senior level leader, some of the things that I remember so much from, the, from that work is the idea of leaders make a mistake of like always needing to be right. And oh, when yeah. you, yeah. and remember, you, you went through your career being recognized because you were right all the time. And it, and it was great, or at least more than you were wrong, or more mm-hmm. than other people. And now you have to back that up because you don't have to be right all the time. You can, you, sh- you can, should listen to other people. The other thing that I think is, is really important is he talks about how um, leaders derail when they become senior leaders because they have this incessant need to make everything 10% better. That when mm-hmm. somebody brings you something, you have this need to tweak it, put your own fingerprints on it and make it a little bit better. But what Marshall would say is that while you may have made the product 10% better, you demotivated the person who brought it to you by 50% because you changed their work. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, again, in this, when you say that, it reminds me of my work when I used to be in the federal government. And what I, what I learned, and you know, again, I did exec education there, is that they are actually graded on, the executives are graded on um, their ability to implement change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean? That means that every year they have to implement change, whether it's needed or not, you got to be able to say that you changed something. And so wow. a lot of leaders intentionally change something 
which impacts their employees, impacts the workforce, impacts morale, simply because they're being rated on it. So again, when we're talking about this, it's also just as important that the metrics that you're rating, you're rating your leaders on, that you're that you're putting them against, aren't situating them to to do something that's probably not in the best interest of the organization. Yeah, I I, I had no idea that that was one of the uh, uh, um, measurements for senior leaders in in the federal government. But I can see a positive and negative. The positive is you keep your workforce very very change agile. You know, they're used to changing. They never get into this uh, kind of rote way of thinking because you know something new can come down the pike. The flip side of that is, you know, because I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to work a lot in the change management field. And if, you're, if your people don't understand the why of something changing, and the why can't be, hey, I'm being judged on this, so you have to do it for me. <laughs> but, you know, the why has to be something that, that makes sense. And yeah. if, if not, you, you really won't be able to pull them along. You know, one thing as I was kind of doing my research into you and kind of just watching and looking at your career, you have stayed in your um, at, at, at your locations for a significant period of time. Um, I think 10 years, one place, seven years, another place, maybe four years, another place. Like you've spent some time within those organizations. Um, I was at a conference last few weeks ago now, and what they were talking about was there a, a, a new way of engaging staff is to allow staff to move and shift around within the organization. So, you know, just because they're a quote unquote HR manager here or an audit or whatever it may be, doesn't yeah. mean they have to stay in that pipeline. They can go somewhere else, right? Lateral, you know, so on and so forth and moving people around. And then they also brought up the idea of, hey, why don't we just have a more dynamic workforce where people can move in and outside of the organization, we we promote it. Long for we're growing those people. If they leave, and they get something great, then great. Um, and I uh, I think this the CFPB, this one of the federal agencies, was actually created using that that style, saying that look, we know we cannot compare to the pay that people are going to get on Wall Street. We know this. So sure. what we're going to do is we're going to be very intentional about building a workforce of younger people, um, providing them with the the skills, the opportunities, the learning knowing they're going to leave. So when they go into industry, they'll hopefully do what's right, right? <laughs> and yeah. then one day, maybe they'll come back or they'll talk about how great their, the, or, the organization was to their, to their young peers they're mentoring, and they'll come work them. I say it to say, it's an interesting idea. And I actually like the concept. However, because a lot of the work I do is in helping organizations um, increase their retention because they don't want people going out, how does those two things match? I'd love to hear your ideas on it, especially because there is a significant cost to employees leaving, right? Yeah. Like there's <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. First of all, I have to admire you. I can't think of anything more boring than trying to research my, research me. So I, I appreciate that you put in that work. Um, so uh, yeah, everything you said is absolutely right. And and I I have read some very interesting studies of companies that are looking to do that when somebody, the second thing that you talked about, which is when, when people leave, how do you, how do you create an environment where there's almost an alumni club of, yeah. of that organization where we stay high touch with people? Uh, I've, I've been very fortunate. We've had people who've left at my organization and um, through, you know, nowadays through LinkedIn, you stay connected to them forever. And, you know, I try to make it a point of kind of reach out, connect, connect to some people if I think there's, you know, there might be some interest for them to come back at some point. And, and cool. so that way you kind of keep that network going. I think organizations, I think that what you just 
described is probably going to be something that the best companies do in the next couple of years, which is, you know, maybe you have an alumni club on LinkedIn mm-hmm. where you, where you stay, you stay kind of high touch to the organization. I will say that in my, in my career, I've seen people who have left the company, both the one I'm in now and the one that I started with, they've left the company for a couple of years and then they've come back. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what you you learn more in the yeah, first yeah. year on a new job than you learn five years in your current job. There's just, you know, there's just so you hit with so much stuff that mm-hmm. you need to learn. So that person comes back with so much knowledge. And, you know, I, I think there was a time when companies kind of felt like it was a betrayal if you left. And once you left, you weren't allowed to come back. That's that's so, you know, 1980, you know, because <laughs> because you can't you can't do that. You have to be open to people coming back. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. Well, you know, you, first, you you and me, Dennis, need to figure out how to make this alumni thing so we can work with organizations doing that. That's really cool. Uh, and just the intentionality behind it as well. Um, but two, I, I'd love to hear your ideas on, sorry, I'm going to stay on this topic for a second. Yeah, sure. Th- there is, there's also a lot of research out there that 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 shows that employees can actually get better compensation in regards to dollars by leaving and moving around than they can mm. normally by sitting within the organization. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how, what is that? What's your reaction to understand that people can get generally speaking can get compensated more by moving. Um, but co- organizations don't want hope shouldn't want <laughs> all their employees leaving because if you find someone who's the right fit for your organization, maybe the opportunity's not here right now, but we, we know we got something lined up for you in the next few years. Like, how would you, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate that? Yeah, so you're definitely outside my area of expertise when it comes to the, the comp side of, of that, of, of how, how do you, how do you uh, as an organization, match that? Uh, so I'll probably put, it, put that aside because it's just not yeah. my area of expertise. But I will tell you that while, while some people will leave for comp, They'll also leave for the new the, the new challenge and the change of pace. And you know, we get as we get as you know, when you've been doing the same job for a long time, especially if you're if you're at that point in your career where you're wanting to accumulate experiences and you're wanting to accumulate knowledge, then if you're you know, you're in that same role for 10 years, I, mm-hmm. I understand people going, even if I do the same job over there in that company. I'm learning something new and they're right. So how do we replicate that learning and development experience for people in their current roles? Yeah. So I was yeah. having a conversation with my, I, I, my manager the other day and she was talking about how 
you know, this, this next generation of young people who are coming into the organizations, they're used to in college, they're used to, you know, it's my, it's my freshman year and then my sophomore year. And I just have a freshman and sophomore, my, my daughter. So, so I, I understand the difference in those two years. And then your junior year is different. Every year is kind of like, I, I live in a new place. I've met some new people. Oh. I have classes. And so they're coming out with that experience of, yeah, I was in the same place. Yeah. But I wasn't the same person year to year. And I got yeah. different experiences year to year. I don't think, I don't think organizations have figured that out yet, but I think there's some magic in there. I think there's some way of trying to figure out you know, how do we give people yeah. you know, their freshman year in a company and their sophomore year in a company and then move them someplace else so that their junior year in a company is different from that? Um, I, I, I think that's I think that's going to be some secret sauce. The organizations that figure that out, you know, that I haven't. Yeah. If a person can feel like I haven't moved, but I've grown. I yeah. think that's yeah. Big- Dude, that, that's that's really cool. I, I, I love that concept. So, again, another thing you and I have to write a book about. Um, so <laughs> you're, ju- you're only making homework for yourself right now. So stop, know, stop sharing great ideas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, especially because of your, your background in, in, in learning and development, I'd love to throw an idea by you. So I was speaking to uh, a Chico chief human capital officer, um, of a fortune 100 company the other day. And, and he was explaining to me that one of the biggest challenges they're seeing right now is as they're, as people are leaving, as the older workforce is leaving, they're now having to move um, younger, quote unquote, less experienced people into those leadership positions. And they're always kind of caught off guard with just how difficult organizational politics are. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the, the number of, you know, you're now sitting at a table with people who are extremely successful in what they do and really good at what they do and generally very confident at what they do. Um, and how do you navigate all of those different relationships where someone could be definitely on your side and someone could be definitely acting like they're on your side? So like, I'd love to know, because I, I have a way of process of, of teaching leaders how to do that. Um, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, like how do companies do a good job of preparing people to navigate those political waters? And what are your ideas around it? Yeah, um... The short answer to your question is probably no, that I, I don't think that most companies do a great job with that. I don't think companies have ever done a great job with that. I think it comes more to the fore now because there's there's so much, with, you know, especially with remote work and, and so many different generations working in the organization. And also, as you and I were talking about earlier, as people are transitioning in and out of roles or in and out of companies, there was a time when if you moved into a management role, you were probably a 10-year employee of that company already. And so yeah. maybe you already understood the political side of things. Uh, maybe you already had a, a good relationship with your boss and a good relationship with some other senior people. So you got glimpses of that. Yeah. Now I think somebody comes into a new company, they've only been there for a couple of years, and then they're starting to move up. It's possible that the, that political piece that you're talking about is, 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 even, is even more uh, of a challenge. But I think the solution to it is the solution to every problem is just people. And what I mean by that is, you know, those people who are you talked about it earlier about they're leaving the organization, those people who are, you know, maybe they're at the max point in their career, mm-hmm. either either from a 10 year perspective, they, they're expecting to retire soon or from a uh, ambition perspective, they've gotten as high as they really want to go. 
or even a potential perspective. They're as high as they're going to go. That uh, that when you're in that particular situation, those people make the best mentors in the world to people. And yes. so if you can if you can get that energy from from them and say, I mean, look, everybody, I'll let you in on a little secret. Alex. <laughs> everybody in the world's favorite topic is themselves. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's really it. And so and and that's a and I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's you want to plug into that. I have never met a retired leader or a retiring leader who doesn't want to leave a legacy, doesn't mm -hmm. want to leave people that they've impacted. Over the course of my career, there are people who are retired now and they can say they can they can talk about how they invested in me and what they did for me. I hope that there are people behind me or beside me or even some people in front of me where I've had an impact on. Yeah. And quite honestly, that means more to me than anything. And I think it's true for those people. Is is there a way of is there a way of pulling in that experience yeah. that person navigated the politics? And if they're if they're playing the back nine on their career, they don't really care about the politics anymore. And that's the best person to learn from because you know they're not impacted by it. I, I was because um, I, I I run and create mentoring programs for organizations, and and one one organization was very interesting because they were saying how they were contemplating that. I don't think they've done it yet because we we um we're, we started working on some other initiatives, but they were talking about the the idea of identifying those individuals who are on the back end of their career and mm -hmm. saying, hey, look, we know you don't want to work forty hours a week. Like we 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 got that you're you're coming to a close. We we got it. We respect it. Thank you. But how about you work you know thirty hours a week and dedicate ten hours towards mentoring, right? And because that allows them to still grow the other leaders in the organization, they have that value that they already, they have that value, that knowledge of the, the, the experience. And I think that's a really interesting concept that organizations should be thinking about is, especially for those people who are getting ready to, to exit stage left, you know, how can we say, let's, let's, can we utilize you to build other leaders before you leave? Um, but again, I understand it's also a capacity thing. I, I, I realize this. Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. I'd love to talk to you more about that. About you know, if anybody's able to to figure out a way to make that work, there's obviously there's a there's a there's a monetary issue to that. Mm -hmm. There's because you know most organizations are running lean, and mm -hmm. so you know, but but I but I do think if you can get that right, just in the in the situation that you described there, that person they're able to continue to do, to deliver some of the work, and maybe they're maybe the things that they're not able to do now because they're able to put ten percent of their work on somebody else. Maybe that space is held for that 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 high potential person who you can start giving them some some more experiences. It's a it's a it's a very it's a fascinating idea. And, you know, um, I, I think that a lot of organizations will get lost in the details of it, and so easy for a situation like that to go. Oh, we can't afford it. We're not going to do it. But I think the best organizations will. You know, all right, but what if we could? What, what would it look like if we could do it? And, and, and you, you, I love that you. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's, it's so easy to get lost in the sauce. Um, and, I, and I think about, you know, what about like a year-long program, right? A year-long program, you may send someone to a, um, a, even weekly coaching. You may spend an hour um, with some coaching or an hour doing something every week. Um, I mean, even if it was just an hour a week, right? Okay, yeah. Instead of you at a program, you, your program is mentoring this person, right? Like, so again, it's always about how can we figure this out versus we can't do this. Because as soon yeah. as you start with, I, oh, we can't do this, you know, your brain shuts off and your creativity goes away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. So I, I, wanted to, I know we're about to wrap up. I know we're about to wrap up. I know, no, no. 
because uh, you said you gotta you gotta jump on, a, on the phone with um with Cook, the Apple CEO. That's what you said. Okay, look, we're we're gonna move <laughs> fast. We're gonna move fast. Um, <laughs> so so my question, two questions I want to throw by you real quick is, uh, many people who listen to this 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 show are are still stuck on how do you navigate relationships, but not mm-hmm. just any relationships. It's, it's easy to, to navigate a relationship with someone you like. Um, but more so, how do you navigate, how do you build an intentional and, 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 and meaningful connection with someone who you don't like or someone who doesn't like you? And I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that because the reality is, is that if you're moving up, at some point, there's, there's going to be someone you don't like or someone who doesn't like you, but you're still going to have to get work done. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's tough. A, a lot of relationships, especially at work, you know, is is all about trying to understand kind of the the motivation behind why people do what mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of the office, one of the things that one of, one of my hobbies, one of the things I do is I work I work with a, an organization called Braver Angels that that pulls together people from uh, from the left and the right politically and have discussions about you know why do they believe what they believe. And it's all about trying to figure out right, what's underneath your belief, what's underneath your thought process. And, you know, there's the deeper you go, the more commonality you find. With people. And so if there's something that somebody's doing that you don't like, try to figure out, well, why are they doing it? One of the unique things about human beings is that we, we tend to judge everybody else by their actions and then we judge ourselves by our intentions. <laughs> and so trying to figure out what, what might be the good intentions, you know, yeah. there's the the, the expression, you know, leave with positive intent, but, it, you know, uh, uh, try to figure out why might they be doing this. If it turns out that, you know, it's just somebody you're never going to gel with, that's life, you know, and yeah. you, you, know, you can still work in commonality towards uh, the business goal with somebody. You don't have to be buddies. with them. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's different levels of relationships, right? You don't got to be besties. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, I love what you talked about in regards to intentions. And I'll just be out there. I'm going to put this out there for everyone here. Look, you all know I'm not perfect. I'm pretty close, but I'm not perfect. Um, So I will tell you like every single time in my life where I've been in a position where I felt someone was coming after me. And I generally am always like positive, positive, positive. But a few times I'm like, man, this person. They really, they're really coming after me. They're, they're trying to make me look bad. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. And then I respond in a way um, that is defensive or, you know, unfortunately, I hate to say this. Sometimes I t- attack back. Hey, why didn't you do this? You didn't say that. And then only to come to find out that that was not their intention. I'm like, God darn it. <laughs> Slow down and focus yeah. on finding out intention before you react. <laughs> Uh, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant advice, Alex. And I, I, I haven't seen any of the imperfections yet, but I'll take your word for it. I think, <laughs> uh, but um, love this guy. <laughs> yeah, but you, but no, but you're absolutely right because you know, I, and I, it's funny you say this. I just saw somebody post about this on LinkedIn this morning. Somebody said, you know, most people, everybody's living a story in their own head that has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And so when you see somebody's action, and again, because I, we said earlier, everyone, everyone is the star of their own show. You just assume that they did something to get you or you did something and they, they were just showing callous disregard for you. The reality of it is, and I don't know if this is good or bad, the reality of it is they probably didn't think of you one iota, you know, when <laughs> you make that decision. 
And that can be very freeing to know that this person had no malice. They just, yeah. they were, they were operating in their own head, in their own world about what was happening. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that's great. And it's funny because if I, I, I won't use any names because I don't want to get in trouble, but some of the people that over the course of my career, who at the very beginning, we did not have a good relationship are some of the best friends I have right now. You yeah. just, you know, when you, when you take that time to figure out what was behind what they do, Mm-hmm. 99 out of 100 times, you know, most people are good. Most people want the right thing. You will occasionally find somebody who's, you know, they're motivated by malice, but it's rare. I, I know there's a quote, but I can't remember it. Basically, you, you find what you're looking for. You know, if you think everyone is horrible and out there trying to get you, you're, that's what you're going to see. That's um, right. If you think that everyone is, is generally good and, and doing their best to live a very difficult life, you know, that we all have to live. Um, then that's what you'll find. And so I know we have to start wrapping up. Um, uh, but did you want to pitch your, that, that new book you have coming out? I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Do you have any final thoughts or ideas that you like to share with with our audience? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a book reader, not a book writer. Um, you know, the only thing I would tell people is, you know, as your audience are people who are, you know, looking to grow, looking to become good leaders. One thing that, I've spent the last 15, 16 years uh, really investing in is, uh, is, is using different types of assessments to really understand yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very valid assessments, everything from, from Clifton Strengths to Hogan. To, there's a lot of great things, a lot of great tools out there. I really encourage people to spend some time understanding themselves mm-hmm. because the better you understand yourself through something like understanding what my strengths are, understanding how I react to change, understanding my personality traits. You can't help, but the more you understand yourself, you start to really see these things in other people. And so, you know, that that's self-awareness is at a really, is a really low ebb in society now, but it's always been at a low ebb. People tend not to really spend time understanding themselves. I, I would really encourage everybody to, you know, if you can find somebody who can coach you and if you can use some of these assessments, it's a great way of, of understanding your own motivations and, and, and kind of what, what sparks you. Dennis, I, I could not be in more agreement with you, especially because you said find someone like Alex to coach you. Um, I appreciate it. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, I plugged that. What's going on? Oh, goodness gracious. Hey, look. Everyone, well, first of all, Dennis, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, I really, really appreciate your time. I knew you had to step away from the um, from the baseball uh, field to, to to hang out with us today, but I, I really, really just thank you for everything that you shared. And the next person or people I want to thank is the audience because again, we've been going at this for now three years. Um, most podcasts don't last past twelve episodes, and now we're at oh my god. We just broke a hundred. Um, yeah, we just broke a hundred. So right. <laughs> what's going on? this is really cool. So everyone who's who's here listening, um, just thank you for investing in yourself. You know, there's there's I, I promise you, there's so many different things on YouTube that you could be watching right now. You could be doing fish pumps with the um, fish pumps with the uh, with the Jersey Shore. I'm not sure if that's still a thing, but you get the point. Um, so, <laughs> but you're here growing and learning for yourself and to help you and your team members. So just just thank you. And you know where I'm about to go with this. Uh, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't keep it to yourself. Don't say that person should have been here. Oh, too bad for them. Don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. 
bring this information to them, reach back and bring them to the table, right? Again, click, share, like, comment. All of these things help share the message that you just felt yourself was of value. So don't keep it to yourself. Be sure to always share it out to everyone else. And again, if you're looking to grow, if you're looking for a really great book to take your career to the next level, uh, you really need to read Relationships That Work. You can find the information on uh, in the description. You can find it on Amazon. I just, I just thank you for being here with us on this journey. As always, I encourage you to stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moved. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.